We're continuing in our series this week on preparing for the last days. And we left off last week about uh, kind of considering that need to endure, to be able to endure to the end, as Jesus said in Matthew 24. You know, we looked at the Church of Philadelphia, how they had that wonderful promise given to them that because they had endured and they kept the word of his promise, you know, that God said he would preserve them from the hour of temptation that, that would come upon all the earth. And I, I don't know what was coming upon all the earth for the Church of Philadelphia, but God said he preserved them. But, you know, I think that, I mean, I don't, it's hard to say as more meaning to us, but it sure does mean a lot to us as the church of the last days or that's coming into this period of the last days. I want that promise that, Lord, if I keep the word of your promise, you'll protect me from what's coming upon all the earth. We already see something come upon all the earth. And that's just an, that's just like an example and an illustration of what is yet to come upon all the earth of the judgments of the last days and so forth. But, but you know, that church received that promise because they endured and they were kept under uh, God's protection for that. Now, I want to consider another concept that we see in Jesus, uh, his words to his disciples and to us in Matthew 24, about the last days. He talked about the difficulties, and we've touched on that, you know, that some of the difficulties he's, that, that he talks about of wars and rumors of wars and nations rising up against each other and, you know, unrest in the earth of famine, of disease, of natural disasters and earthquakes and, you know, all of those things. And, and then Jesus says, but, you know, the end is not yet. <laughs> this is just the beginning of sorrows. And so, you know, but what I want to bring out is, is there are these difficulties. And, and in one category, there's difficulties that all the human race are going to experience. But then there are difficulties that are directed at the people of God, right, that are focused. Um, you know, just like in Egypt, Pharaoh targeted the children of Israel with uh, affliction. He targeted them. And of course, Pharaoh is a type of, of Satan, the Antichrist, and that spirit. And so Jesus said in Matthew 24 and verse 9, he said, They will deliver you up to be afflicted uh, and shall kill you, that you'll be hated of all nations for my name's sake. And then uh, shall many be offended and betray one another and hate one another, and many false prophets will rise and deceive many. We looked at verse 12, that because iniquity will abound, the love of many will wax cold, but he that endures to the end shall be saved. And in reading this, I, I kind of hadn't really considered that comparison of, you know, there's afflictions coming upon the whole earth, there's afflictions and judgments coming upon the kingdom of the Antichrist, but really it's the saints that are kind of targeted for uh, afflictions and difficulties. You know, Jesus talks about persecution, uh, being hated, but, and, but that's not it, you know, right? That's just one category. We think of, well, Christians are going to be targeted because Satan hates Christians and those who follow Christ, but, but that, you know, that's only one category. He says, then there's offense. Then there's difficulty and persecution because some have walked away from the straight and narrow pathway and they speak the word. Now they're speaking the words of the enemy against those who are still walking in that way. Right. So that, and it says that 
they turn from it and to ease their burden and in a sense they betray one another. Then there's deception. We talked about that in the beginning. False prophets claiming to be speaking for the Lord when in reality they're just speaking the words of the enemy. All of these things are directed at, at, at Christians. And then, of course, iniquity that we talked about. Iniquity abounding, the pleasures of Egypt. And sometimes you read about the last days and you get the impression, especially when you read Revelation, you know, cover to cover and you say, whoa, the earth is going through it, you know. And, and sometimes you get the idea that, that life is going to come to a halt and we're all going to be riding it out in our bunkers, you know, <laughs> that God has prepared for us. Um, but, you know, Scripture is also pretty clear that life is going to go on. And how do we know life goes on? Because all the distractions and pleasures in life in the world are going to continue as well. And Christians are going to face that. As, as a temptation? Or are we going to follow the pleasures of the world that are still being offered in the last days? Or are we going to continue on the challenging pathway of following Jesus? You know, Jesus actually said this later on in, in the chapter, Matthew 24, 37. But as the days of Noah were, so will it be in the, also shall the coming of the Son of Man be in the last days. For, for as there was a flood in Noah's day, and but in that flood, right up to the very moment, they were eating and drinking and uh, marrying, giving in marriage. I mean, they were, and that's kind of indicative. They were just life went on. They they were going on their merry way in their sin, not realizing that judgment was coming, and then that was the end. And so the Lord is talking about, you know, even though there's calamities coming, difficulties upon the earth, you know, life is going to go on. There's going to be temptations. There's going to be iniquity abounding and, temp- and so forth. And, and, and all of these things are directed towards believers. Boy, what are we going to do? You know, because it, it's almost like it's going to be a cumulative effect of all of those different things upon us. However, having said that, it'll also be a time of great glory. It'll be a time of great power of the glory of God arising upon thee, as it says in Isaiah, upon us, upon his people. God is going to meet with his church, and he's, as God did for Israel in Egypt, in the land of Goshen, he's going to do for the church in the last days. He's going to bring great glory and deliverance. And I want to look at a concept that the Apostle Paul shared because he wrote in Romans 8, and he, it, you know, I just read off all these difficulties of the last days, and it's like he does the same thing. He talks about tribulation and persecution and trial and, and all of these things, and he's bringing all these things up, and it's like, man, Apostle Paul, that's heavy. Why are you telling us we're going to have to go through all that? But then he says this in, in Romans 8 and verse 35. He says, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril of the sword? That all sounds familiar. Verse 36, for as it's written, for for thy sake, we are killed all day long. We feel like sheep for the slaughter. But no, that's not how we feel. That's not how it is. We might feel that way because of the situations we're facing, but that's not the reality. What's the reality? Paul says, no, in all of these things, in every single one of these things, we are more than conquerors through 
Jesus who loves us. So that's quite a picture Paul is, is writing. And of course, he's writing during a time of persecution, where, right? Where the, they're, they're at it from both sides. I mean, they're kind of like, you know, a, a, a piece of grain in a mill that with two stones can be in ground. One stone was the, the, the Jewish leaders who don't like this new sect of Christianity. And the other is, is the Romans who also don't like it because they don't agree with the way Romans live and their gods and so forth. And they're sometimes they're like, well, we're getting it from both sides. We're like sheep for the slaughter. <laughs> you know, so many things coming at us. But Paul wants to bring out to, to believers in his church and, and in our day, in reality, God is doing a work so that we can have the opportunity to become more than conquerors through Jesus who loves us. What does that actually mean? Right? How, how do you be more than a conqueror? Like if you're a conqueror, haven't you won? How do you, how do you be more than a conqueror or more than a winner? You know, I was just thinking about how we as a, as a people, right, human beings, we're, we're very competitive. So we're always turn something into a competition. Who's the greatest of all time? We had a competition recently where something like that came out. I won't, I won't rub it in since uh, our side were, were the victors. But anyway, but there's lots of competitions, you know, people on earth doing courageous things and mighty things, mighty works, athletes, breaking records, or, or maybe in the, in the past, it's great leaders fighting battles and, and winning wars, um, you know, kings who could conquer whole kingdoms, and they became great conquerors. But you know, there was always one thing that limited their greatness. And that was the fact that it only lasted in this lifetime. As long as they lived, they could be considered great. But as soon as their life was over, so was their greatness. They couldn't, at least they can't experience it anymore. But you see, Jesus is talking about, and the Apostle Paul is bringing out, is that we can overcome in Christ and that lasts for all eternity. We can become conquerors in Christ. And we're more than a regular conqueror in this earth because we're, we stand in that victory for all eternity through Jesus who loves us. That's really the thought I wanted to, to bring out this week, that as believers, we are going to face, you know, looking at the last days and that theology and teaching of the last days, we understand that believers are going to be targeted, going, going through many facets of difficulty in the last days. It, but, you know, in one sense, we don't have to wait till the last days, right? I mean, we all can experience many different facets of difficulties. You know, we can go through seasons. Have you ever been in, through a season where you feel like you have a big target on you for difficulties, difficulties, or maybe a big magnet and difficulties just keep like shh, sticking to you and you pull one off and another one comes on. And, you know, you go through seasons of, of great challenges, but really what they are is an opportunity to be, to be more than a conqueror through Christ who strengthens us, who loves us. I want to look at one of the promises to a church in Revelation. We've considered them a little bit. You know, there were seven churches that received letters. They all received promises. Uh, the last church 
was Laodicea. And they actually represent the church of the last days. They're not a, it's not a, a necessarily encouraging picture in the beginning. Um, and what's interesting is, is they're kind of in a bad way. She, that church has some problems, right? Because they think they're rich. They're, they are rich in the natural, but then God comes, comes to them and says, well, you're really poor. They think they're well-dressed. God comes to them and says, well, you're really naked. They think they're hot for God. And then God says, no, you're actually, you're not even cold, which I could deal with cold because, you know, then we can make you hot, but you're lukewarm. You think you're okay. That's kind of an apt description, I think, of the state of the church in a sense. There's a lot of apathy but, you know, that's not the end of the matter. Thank God. That's not the end of the matter. It, it can be discouraging if we think, well, the church of Laodicea, and that's the church of the last days. No, that's not the end of the matter. Let's look at the promise given to them. Revelation 3 and verse 20. The Holy Spirit is saying to this church, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. And if any man hear my voice and open the door, I'll come to him and I will sup with him and he with me. And to him that overcomes, I will grant to sit with me in my throne, even as I also overcame and am sat down with my father in his throne. You see, the church of the last days won't stay like Laodicea. And I won't say like every Christian is like that, but you know, God wants to do a work in his church to make them no longer lukewarm, but hot and on fire for God and his ways. God is going to do a work. And those who respond to him, who meet with him, God will make them overcomers, more than conquerors, who will reign with him upon thrones. Right? That's what it talks about in Revelation 20 of kings and priests of reigning with God when he sets up his kingdom. Now, I think there's very there's great significance in these two verses. And I just wanted to look at that kind of as our remaining focus for our time. Because it talks about Jesus coming and he's knocking at the door. And you know, he's knocking it represents the Lord knocking on the door of our hearts and you know, we are to open it to him and allow him to come in and for, and for him to say, those who overcome will sit with me on my throne. Really, he's, he, he's knocking on the door of our hearts to say, who, who will reign with me as kings and priests? You know, the overcome means to prevail, to get the victory over something you're facing, to triumph. All right, it could be something internal, maybe a struggle that we're facing it could be fears and worries, reactions, desires, or it could be external struggles with people or struggles with a, a trial or a situation. And so the Lord is saying, I'm knocking. And if you open the door to me, I'll come in and I'll make you more than a conqueror. And that's a nice thought, isn't it? That God wants to come in. He's knocking actively to come into our lives and into our situations, to enable us to make right decisions, to enable us to have right reactions. You know, God isn't just up there in heaven looking down and say, well, I hope some people make it, you know, as kings and priests. No, he's, he's down here 
knocking on the door of our hearts, saying, come on, let me in, and I'll take you on a journey of becoming kings and priests with me. So I think verse 21 is a pretty, pretty awesome verse. But yet we have to realize that what, what's happening, what God wants to do, that he is knocking. And so one of the first keys is we have to recognize that the Lord's knocking on the door of my heart. If we can't hear it, or if we can't recognize it, sometimes it's, you know, we, we hear a noise, but we don't recognize what's happening, what God wants to do, that he's trying to come in. And so there's this, this concept of God knocking, and it, it kind of helps to, underst- to look at it as the concept of a house, that God's coming to enter into our house. And, you know, in one sense, at salvation, he does enter into our house. But, you know, most of us, at least in, in our day, there, we have more than one door in our house, right? Back in the, the disciples' day, it, you know, houses were a lot simpler, right? They might just have one door, and that's how you came in. But in our day, we've got lots of rooms and doors and closets and garages and all sorts of things. And I think it kind of helps to look at it in a modern way that, you know, we can, the Lord knocks and we, we let him into our, our, our heart, but there's still other areas in there where the doors can be closed, right? You know, you, have you ever invited guests in and it's like, oh man, we didn't clean our house. Quick, here's a closet, stuff it all in there. Or here's a back room. No one's going to go in the back room. We'll close it and lock it and the house will look nice and clean. But you know, sometimes we can say, Lord, welcome into my living room of my house. Don't go in that room. That's got stuff in there you wouldn't like. But in reality, the whole goal is to allow God into every part of us for him to reign over us and in us and through us. And so we have to give him full access. And that's really what God is talking about here. Of those who will reign with him are those who he knocks. Maybe on our front door, we let him in and he's working. And then maybe we're in that back room. And he's knocking on that door. Lord, you don't want to come in here right now, Lord. He's got to come in there eventually. You know, he's desiring that we make room for him. Sometimes I I think about how he brought that out specifically. Jesus, even when he was born, it says people didn't make room for him in Bethlehem. He was there. He was born in Bethlehem. But there was no room for him. But that's, that's the eternal struggle that we face as human beings. Well, not, not eternal. It ends someday. That's our mortal struggle, making room for him. So the real question is, in our lives, how much room have we given him in our hearts? How much access have we given him? Are there areas closed off? Because like with Laodicea, that determines how hot or cold we are. We don't want to have just the main room and then all the other rooms are shut off because that was kind of like Laodicea. They had a place and they thought, oh, our living room looks great, but every other room was full of junk. And God said, well, you're not hot or cold. You're lukewarm and you're not good for much because I don't have access. You know, when what we let someone do in our house 
that speaks to what kind of relationship we have with them, doesn't it? And I, th- I think about, we don't have a, a lot in our society today, but once in a while I'll get people selling stuff and they knock on the door. And what kind of access do you give them? If a salesperson knocks on your door, I'm definitely not letting them in my bedroom. Sometimes I don't even like to let them in the house. I'm, I talk to them through the screen door. Yes, what are you selling today? Right. But, you know, sometimes, you know, or, or maybe you have a nosy neighbor. It's like, ah, I don't want you in my house. You know, and so there's a, there's a limitation there. Or maybe you have some, some friends and you let them in certain rooms, but other rooms, like I said, you close those off because those haven't been, uh, you don't want them in there, right? And so there's, there's levels of limitation of freedom. Or maybe you have immediate family, like a, you know, relatives or even a spouse, and they have free reign. With a spouse, hopefully they have a say in how it looks, right, of, of what's going on in there. And so what kind of access will we give Jesus and the Holy Spirit in our house, the house of our heart? Because that will determine how well we will become more than conquerors through him who loves us. And so that really should be the goal of our life. Lord, I want you to have full access into every area of my heart, every area of my thinking, my decision-making, my reactions. That takes some work. You know, thankfully, he doesn't do it all at once. We'd, I think we'd explode. But he comes door by door, place by place, and he's so good to do that. Now, there's just two elements I want to look at here in closing, just two concepts here. Um, and, and it's the first thing we saw were of the Lord knocking. You know, someone once asked Jesus, what's the greatest commandment? And Jesus responded in a very interesting way. He, he said this in Mark 12, 29. He said, Jesus answered and said, first of all the commandments is here, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. And then he went on to say, you have to love God and love your neighbor. But I think it's very interesting where he said, what's the greatest commandment? And his response was, he didn't just cut this part off and talk about those two things that summarize the whole law, but he said, the greatest thing is here, O Israel. And really, that's the principle of life. It's going to be really hard to love God and love our neighbor if we can't hear Oh, Israel. Jesus isn't going to get past the threshold of our heart or our life if we can't hear him knocking. I remember uh, a time when Sarah went, uh, we were in an apartment on a second floor, and Sarah went out to take a walk. We had a nice lake, and she could walk around that. So she went out to do that, and I let her out. And instinctively, I've, I've actually done this a couple times, sorry. Where I instinctively, you know, you're, you're safety conscious in this day. You, you close the door and you lock it. And she didn't have a key. And so she went and took her walk and I was out, out on the porch enjoying it. And she came back and she's like, it's locked. And she's knocking on the door. She doesn't hear anything. She's knocking louder. It's like, what? what? You've locked me out. She was knocking loud. I didn't hear her. I was out on the porch. You know? So she had to walk around and she saw me sit on the porch. She's like, I'm locked out. But you know, sometimes there are things in our lives that are blocking our spiritual ears. 
so that we cannot recognize the knocking of the Lord, the calling of the Holy Spirit to walk in a certain way or to allow him in in a different way. Sometimes there's just things that we can get busy with, right? Responsibilities and family or fun or, you know, things that are not necessarily bad, but as a, you know, talk about a cumulative effect, sometimes you have enough things and it gets noisy and you can't hear. Sometimes we have to quiet ourselves. You know, King David prayed concerning this and he had a meeting with the Lord and and he said this in Psalm 40 and verse 6. He said, in sacrifice and offering, you have not delighted, but you have given me an open ear. You have given me an open ear. I like that translation. It's like it's almost like a precious gift. Lord, you've given me an open ear. And so when David received that gift, it I think it transformed his life. And I think it's something he developed as a young boy, a shepherd boy. He learned to hear the voice of the Lord as a shepherd and be led by him. But the result was verse 8 where he says, I delight to do your will, Lord, your laws within my heart. Talk about the law being in our heart and loving the Lord. What did it start with? David said, Lord, you've given me an open ear. That's where it begins. Now, it, it says something in the Hebrew in the sense that it, it means literally to dig out the ear. So that gift is not just an instant impartation in the sense, but God has to dig out sometimes. He's got to remove. He's got to take away boulders or different things so that our ears are open and we can hear him. And you know, sometimes we can say, Lord, would you just dig out, remove, reduce the noise, or show me what I can do so I can hear you. And it's so vital that we learn to hear him in our day. The second thing, the last thing here, is coming back to Revelation 3.20. He says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock, if any man hear my voice, and open the door. I know that sounds kind of simple, but no one's coming in unless we open the door to them. We can hear them knocking. We can even say, hey, through the door. Hey, nice to hear your voice. But if we don't open the door, they're not coming in. And so how many of us have recognized I think that's the Holy Spirit prompting me to do something. I don't know if I'm ready to do that. But you know, when we do that, we're leaving him at the door knocking. Now, sometimes we we need to have confirmation before we commit ourselves to something that's not bad. But yet, in learning to hear the voice of the Lord, we have to open the door to him and allow him room to work in our lives. Of course, it's as quite often challenging. Sometimes we're scared. Holy Spirit, what are you going to do when I allow you in, in this situation and in this circumstance? You know, what's he going to do? What am I going to have to give up or submit to or surrender? But you know what the Apostle Paul thought about that? Philippians 3.8. He said, doubtless I count all things as loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, I count them as dung, that I may win Christ. You know, we have to open the door. And that really is a a surrender. And so the Christian life is full of doors being opened. It's full of surrenders. 
That's why it's the cross being picked up daily and we follow him. But, you know, it's opening the door and allowing God to come in and make us more than conquerors. It requires submission. Here's that famous verse about, you know, the enemy running from us. I I like this verse, but I have to remind myself I need to quote the whole thing. James 4 and verse 7, submit yourselves to God, therefore to God, resist the devil, and he will flee. Draw nigh to God, and he will draw nigh to you. We like this part about the devil running away, right? (laughs) I would rather see him running than coming towards me. But we have to make sure we're quoting that whole verse. Submit yourselves to God. We can rebuke the devil all we want, but if we're not submitted to God, it will not have the same effect. Right? He's not going to be he's not going to be running from an unsubmitted life. But someone who's submitted to God, he he fears that life. He he fears it so much he runs from it. So in other words, when the door is open, when the spirit, the Holy Spirit is knocking, he empowers us so that we can conquer the enemy and cause him to flee. And that comes as we learn to respond to the Spirit of God as He knocks. You know, it's a choice. We we never know what's going to happen or how God's going to lead us or what He's going to speak to us or require of us. But, you know, it, it is the great unknown. It's part of the mystery of the gospel, how He leads us. But I can, honestly, I can look back on my life and say, I have never regretted the times that I stopped and that I surrendered and let the God in to work. It was not always easy, but I don't regret a single time doing that. You know what I do regret? The times that I didn't open the door and I, and I prevaricated and I said, I'm not sure if I'm ready for that or I, maybe I need a confirmation. Lord, I'm going to wait on that one. But he's so gracious. He's so gracious to, to keep knocking, to keep asking and inviting us to, to follow him because he wants to do something in us. He wants to know us. He wants us to make room for him so that he can work fully in our lives, preparing us for his kingdom. And so we have this picture, you know, or what you could say one of the pictures of the last days is the great pressure that the saints are going to face, that believers are going to face. And, you know, many types, you know, many variations of difficulties and pressures and tribulations, yet they are not overcome. In fact, they are overcomers. They are more than conquerors through Jesus. I love the fact that God says his church is going to arise and become glorious. It's going to come. It's going to be a big spectrum because it's going to come from that place of Laodicea and it's going to become the most glorious group of saints the world has ever seen because that's God's plan and his purpose. He's going to make them more than conquerors, but he wants us to enter into that in each of our lives, into that wonderful promise of being an overcomer. But that happens as we respond to him. As he knocks, 
and we learn to hear his voice. We learn to recognize that. And then we open the door. We, rec we know that if we open the door, it means something. He might start coming in and say, well, this room needs a little spring cleaning. Didn't we look at that in one of the, one of the uh, illustrations of Pilgrim's Progress, the house of the interpreter? They came in and had to sweep the floor. And, and, and the first time they did it speaks of man's effort and just the dust went everywhere. But then when they sprinkled the water of the word and the spirit, they were able to clean that out. You know, God wants to come and bring room by room. And I, I have a feeling that we, you know, we're, we're, we're mansions in the sense that we got a lot of rooms in here that need to, need to be worked on. In fact, we got so many rooms, it's going to take the rest of our life. But the key is, Lord, I want to make room for you to dwell. We want the fullness of Christ. That means we got to let him in every little nook and cranny and closet so that he reigns over us. Amen. That's his goal and his purpose for us in the last days. And even today, that if we will hear his voice and open our hearts to him, he'll make us more than conquerors. Lord, we thank you. Thank you for your plan and your purpose for us, that it's good and that it's glorious. Lord, we want to enter into that. Lord, we just we recognize the difficulties that are going to arise, Lord, and that we're going to face. And But yet, we thank you that in those difficulties that we're facing, Lord, it, and it doesn't matter about the last days because we can face them today. But Lord, thank you that in those things, you're working that we'll become more than conquerors. Lord, give us ears to hear. Lord, give us a, a Lord, that wonderful gift that King David talked about of an open ear. Open up our ears to hear you, to hear that knocking. Help us to recognize, Lord, that we wouldn't be ignorant of, of your knocking upon our hearts. And Lord, we ask for a heart that would, would run to you and, and throw that door wide open and allow you entrance and to make room for you in every area of our hearts, we ask. Oh, make us more than conquerors through Jesus who loves us, we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you.